Good morning, everybody. This is actually going to be an interactive service. Good morning, everybody. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to have you like voting on things throughout the service today, okay? So just like, you don't have to be public about it, but I want you to think deeply about it. Now, I, I always like to start with a story of how I've screwed up, because everyone wants to hear a story about someone who screwed up, but it's too easy to look at somebody and think, oh, they have it all together, but it's me that's the problem. So... I met my wife about 10 years ago. I have two stepsons. They're wicked guys. But we're a blended family. Um, blended family at Christmas. Any of you who have blended families, you know as soon as they say blended family at Christmas, you're going, oh, great. Now, in our family, <laughs> the blended part came out in one area. I grew up with, what, uh, for Christmas dinner, we had a seafood fondue. I don't know why this was a thing, my mom was like this health fanatic. The only time in the entire year we were allowed to have hot oil cooking anything in the house was Christmas Eve. Any other time it was garbage, couldn't have that. So, and we were poor, so the seafood was maybe a bit seafood. I still like fake crab better than I like real crab because that's what I grew up on. <laughs> so we had this kind of like, you know, cheap ass seafood in a hot thing of oil and we'd sit there for hours i still remember my sister she'd like after a while she'd be like this like laying on the ground she's like i just need to make more room and if she's listening to me she would fart then and then she'd say i have more room and we keep eating so we'd be eating for like three hours i had these incredible memories of us being around the family we're just like oh i'm gonna die okay i can have one more you know it's just like my whole life, I probably had these 47 years in a row without a break. It finally stopped during COVID. 47 years of the same Christmas meal, all these memories. And then the first year me and Ellie get together, I, I, you know, I'm all excited, my Christmas dinner. So a couple weeks before Christmas, I'm like, okay, we're going to have our Christmas dinner, and I'm going to invite you and the boys. And I still remember the look on the boys' face. They sit down for dinner, and they're kind of doing one of these. And I'm going to condense this. Essentially, it was this. So where's the cheese fondue? And the chocolate? And what's this hot oil nonsense? You see, when I used the word fondue in their family, it meant cheese fondue with bread, followed by chocolate fondue with fruit, Mainly fruit, right? Fruit. This is what they loved. The whole oil thing was garbage to them. They were like, so we kind of had this, the first day was kind of like, I'm sitting there eating my oil fondue, and they're looking at me going, this is dumb. And I'm like, this is not the memories I had of Christmas dinner. This is not that we're all together, and we're eating, and we're loving the same things, and oh, did you try that? Oh, yeah, it was so good. Oh, mom, like, oh, and saying, oh, that was so good. It was this weird moment of like, ugh. I don't even have words for it. Any other blended families? In the, don't put up your hand. This is not the voting one. Actually, no, put up your hand. Any blended families? Blended families? Yeah, probably about half of us. And Now, this is where you don't put up your hand unless you're in a really good place with your partner. Any blended families that have some tricky moments in them, especially over the holidays? Right? It's this idea that says, well, this is the way we do it. 
How do you do it? We get, you know, some people, I remember some people like, we get all the family together, everybody, for like three days straight. And the new person in the family is like, sorry, three days? I was thinking like 45 minutes? Like on the top end, I was half an hour maybe? Or people, you know, they, they show up at the Christmas dinner, and uh, this is whether you're blended or not, you show up at the Christmas dinner, and they've had a crappy week, and, you know, traffic was bad getting here, and their car, you know, blah, 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 and their shoes don't match, I don't know, whatever the problem is. And they're just in a foul mood, but the assumption is in that Christmas family is, we're all holly jolly. It's freaking Christmas. Put a freaking smile on your face. <laughs> don't elbow your partners. I still remember uh, a couple of Christmases ago, Kyla shared about her family. She's like, our family was maybe a little tricky through the whole year, but at Christmas, everyone put on a big smile and we like pretended we're like the perfect family. And then Boxing Day, just... What about Christmas is not your favorite? Sit with that for a bit. Is it the parties? My neighbor knocked on the door yesterday. Hey, I'm having an open house tonight. My first thought was, okay, so you're loud. I shouldn't call the cops. And then he's like, but you're invited. I'm like, uh, go to a random person's house with random people for a party. <laughs> I feel like COVID is kicking in here all of a sudden. What parts of Christmas are stressful for you? Is it pulling everything together? Is it the chaos? But here's the more important piece. How do you react to those moments? Jeremy, can you throw up the list? Anyone, so this is where we're gonna vote. Anyone a yeller, you know, your voice gets a little bit raised. I tend to be, you know, I don't think I'm yelling, but my wife would say, oh, you're yelling. Anyone, when things go a little south, your voice gets a little bit like, yeah. Oh yeah, yellers. Okay, next one, avoiders. Anyone just, I'm not there that day, I will turn off me. Yeah, that's a bad one. Next one, pretenders. How do you guys do that? Just, I wish I could pretend better. Sulkers, any sulkers in the room? Oh, I'm a sulker. I could sit in the corner like no one's business. You don't like my fondue? Pull-awayers. Oh, yeah, we have this other thing we have to get to, right? You know, whatever excuse to not be around. Controllers. Any controllers? Oh, I will take this thing over and make this happen right. Hard workers. These are people who, they will just take on everything and make it all go so that it works the way they want. Any, yeah, any hard workers? Oh, yeah. Overthinkers. <laughs> These are the people who start Christmas like in November thinking about it and then they're thinking about the family gatherings into February. Oh, when he said that, I should have totally said, Ugh. depressors, ah. Some people's reaction is just to turn on the negative. Can't feel anything positive. This sucks, that sucks, this is crap, that's not working. When you look at the list and you start putting up your hand of what we do when Christmas doesn't go well, it's not great, is it? I kind of look at my actions and I'm like, I'm a bit of an a-hole sometimes. <laughs> now, normally, if you're in a Christian community, this is what I would tell you. This has been, I would be wearing a suit. My hair would be much nicer than it is, and I would be telling you all, repent, 
Because you shouldn't be yelling, overthinking, doing any of those things. But this is Friends Church. And as I sat with those things, I thought, I wonder why we do them. Have you ever sat down and thought, what makes me overthink things? What makes me yell? Why do I raise my voice? Why, when I get the invitation, suddenly I'm infinitely tired? I could, I could not go out one more time. My wife often asks me, but Vince, why? And usually I give her a horrible answer of like, whatever, babe, it's the devil, who knows? But I think today she has the right question. Why do we act the way we act over Christmas? My thesis is this. It's because there's something underneath those behaviors that's going on. And it's something that we're bringing to the table unconsciously. And if we're unconscious about it, it's happening. I'm raising my voice before I know. I am doing all sorts of things before even paying attention to what's going on. I'm just like, well, I'm mad. This deserves this. This is right. It shouldn't be this way. But it doesn't get to the peace underneath the peace. The unconscious part where we're the problem. As soon as we say we're the problem, our brain can go two ways. One is, well, heck, if we're the problem, we can fix it. That's wicked. But some of our brains go a different direction. Well, I always knew I was the problem. It's called the shame spiral. I just want to take a second and just put a flag on the shame spiral so we don't get stuck in it. Shame, according to Brene Brown, says this. It's not that I did bad. It's that I am bad. Bad things happen in my life because there's something intrinsically wrong with me. That person didn't call me bad? Yeah, because I'm crap. I didn't get the promotion? Yeah, because I'm useless. That person doesn't love me? It's because I'm unlovable. Duh. The shame spiral is this thing, I think, mostly it starts before we even have words. It's a reaction to our upbringing. But what it does is it puts a thought in our head that says, always has this line, why do bad things happen? Because of me. There's something intrinsically wrong with me. I'm not going to ask you to put up your hands, but some of you can resonate with this, right? Now, shame gives us an answer, but it gives us an impotent answer. It gives us an answer that says, there is nothing I can do because there's something wrong with me. I can't make change in my life. I can't change the situation. I can't change what's gone on. And that's the part of the shame spiral I want to call out, not the other part. I want to call out the part that says, there is nothing I can do because the problem is intrinsically me. I think it's fundamentally disempowering. It takes whatever ability to make change that you have and just denies it all. And we're stuck in the same cycles over and over. I don't believe that's true. I believe that's a coping strategy talking in our ear saying, 
There is nothing you can do. But what if we change that story and said, no, 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 there is something I can do. We can make change. This message is a message of hope. So if you're stuck in that shame spiral, just call it out in your head. Oh yeah, I'm in the shame spiral. Got it. Yep, always the problem. Got it. But what if there's something I could do? So we have this fondue, this fondue war, I'll say. The cheese and the chocolate versus the real fondue. Thank you. Now, what do you think I did after the first year and I realized this was going to be a problem? How do you think I handled this? Now, I hope you're all thinking, what I did is I brought the fondues all together. We had this huge peacekeeping fondue with three fondues. It was beautiful. There was tears. You know, there were speeches, all that stuff. That is not what I did at all. I uninvited her boys from Christmas dinner. (laughs) You guys are all looking at me like, oh. Yeah, that was not my best move. Now... I'm going to do my best to defend myself here. It's not going to go well, but I'm going to do my best. A couple of things. The boys didn't like my fondue, so I was doing them a favor. Actually, I talked to them. They didn't mind. I only ever did my fondue dinner before Christmas. I let them do their traditional Christmas on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. I did mine separate. I did everything I could. But could you imagine my wife going to my Christmas dinner and her boys are not invited. (laughs) Thank you. Appreciate the commentary. Totally true. Totally not my best moment. Why did I freak out? Why did I... I uninvited my stepchildren from Christmas dinner. Why did I think that was a good idea? This is where I want to get to today. I didn't realize till years later why I did it. Once I realized why I did it, first it would have changed how I'd have acted. Second, I'm realizing that same cause has, there's all parts of my life that I've acted really poorly based on that. Andrew Huberman, one of the podcasters who talks about science and biology, always says, if you understand the mechanism, it gives you power. So today we're going to explore the mechanism of why we do bad things around Christmas, the why underneath the why. Not just look at those things that we do that's bad and go, stop doing that. You know, you're yelling and you're like, stop yelling. What's the thing that causes me to yell? What's the thing underneath the thing? Now, here's where we're going to have really audience participation. If any of these, I'm going to give you scenarios, and I want to ask, would this be stressful for me? Put up my hand. Now, just to hide it, so you don't have to be completely transparent, if you know somebody who that would be stressful for, also put up your hand. If you're with your, a partner, anything partners, and you're in a good place, feel free to elbow your partner and be like, oh, that's me, or oh, that one's you, buddy. And if you're in a bad place, just put up your hand. Remember, disagreeing honestly, start with admitting first, be curious. Don't elbow your partner, because they'll probably punch you. Okay, so remember, if this resonates, this would be stressful for me, hands up. Or if there's somebody that I know this would be stressful for, hands up. So, 
first scenario. It's from, actually, before I put those up, this is actually from the Enneagram. Does anyone work in the Enneagram system? It's basically a nine-part system that breaks up people into different personalities are wrong. Let's say containers. And it focuses on what triggers each container. It calls it the core wound. It's the thing that when something hits that, you will snap a crayon. And sometimes your crayon is loud voice. Sometimes your crayon is you turn yourself off. Sometimes the crayon is you sulk. You'll do a million different things. But if you don't understand your core wounds, stuff is constantly poking you, and you seem to be focused on this, like, I don't want to behave this way, but you've missed the thing that's causing the behavior. I want to show you what's causing the behavior today. So as we go through this, again, if it resonates, if this would be stressful for me, hands up or someone I love. Okay, type one. Throw it up for me. You have to attend an event where everything is going to be unorganized and chaotic. Stuff won't be complete or thought through, and you can't do anything to fix it. Anyone? <laughs> Some of your body language is like, Ugh. I still remember my mom. She cooked this big dinner. We'd all be sitting down. like She played it perfectly. It's all hot. And she'd be like, oh, I bought napkins six months ago for this dinner. Hold on a second, I, I gotta find the napkins. And then she'd spend like 10 minutes looking for the damn napkins because the meal wouldn't be perfect without those napkins. If you're gonna get called to an event, I have to attend an event where it's gonna be chaotic, where things are not gonna be organized, plates are not matching. How can you even eat that way? Can you see how if that happens, your nervous system is just shaking? Some of you are actually shaking, I can see your bodies. <laughs> just like... Can you see how you would react poorly? And instead of being conscious of that thing, you're focused on your reaction. I want you to get conscious of that thing. If you're going to walk into an event and you know it's going to be chaotic, think of it like, I'm not going to go for a walk with my friends, I'm going to go for an ultramarathon. So I have to mentally prepare myself that I'm going to be running for a very long time. This is going to be a hard event, I have to like addled up and like put on my big adult pants and I'm going to have to talk myself through it and halfway through I'm going to take a walk and like calm myself down. I'm going If that's you, if type one is you and you go to that event, you're going to have to do something to calm yourself or you will freak out. Type two, you're going to have to put together a thoughtful, loving meal gift conversation this holiday season in order to show people that they are seen and loved but your intentions will not be received well or acknowledged or maybe even ignored. Anyone feel the dagger in your heart right now? The mall is full of these people right now. They are looking for the perfect gift. Their stress is through the roof. You can see they're freaking out. They're looking at two different sweaters that are half a shade different. They're like, which one is going to work? Which one is going to get the reaction that I want? The person feel loved and seen. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Can you see how that would cause problems? If you go to the mall right now and you try and find a parking spot and you run into somebody with that type 2, they will kill you if you take their parking spot. <laughs> Fully justified. They'll be like, sorry, you have to die. I have to get the perfect gift. Type three, someone tells you you have to attend an event you didn't have planned or maybe add some task for an event that you agreed to but didn't know about. Basically, this holiday season, someone will add stuff to your to-do list, something you don't even care about. Any resonance? I still remember my mom. 
She'd sit down after a meal, and she'd like, or at the beginning of the meal, and she'd just like fall over, like, oh, she's so exhausted by what this meal added to her to-do list. Can anyone feel that? That was part of yesterday. Hey, I'm having an open house tonight. Uh, one more thing on my to-do list, how about no? I got enough to do. Can you see how those people, when you say, oh, hey, could you just bring a, oh, hey, we're just going to do this. Oh, hey, I was thinking you could come over for a, why are you always doing it, you know? Okay. Did I, which is the one I had two on? Just give me a wave on the one I have two on, okay? Perfect. So, type four. You go to an event where the expectation is you are to pretend to be something you are not. Happy, jolly, whatever. And everyone else at the event is going to pretend that their lives are perfect and pretend that they're having a great time. Anyone a little stressful? Poke my eyes out with a fork. You know those Christmas cards that people send out where they tell you about how perfect their life is? Does anyone think homicidal thoughts when they get those? <laughs> I think it's justified. You could probably go do harm to somebody and be like, look, look judge, like, look at this letter. Come on. No one's life looks like that. Can you feel it? The holly jolly of Christmas when you're not feeling holly jolly. You walk into a family gathering, everyone's like, no, 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 we don't talk about negative things here. We talk about positive things. And suddenly you're oversharing. Suddenly you're sulking in the corner. Suddenly you're whatever is your thing. But do you understand that the trigger is to pretend and not be real? The trigger is to say to somebody, how are you? And they say, fine, instead of the real answer. That's what's causing the bad behavior. Okay, five. <laughs> Pretty much any Christmas event that you have to go to. <laughs> Come on, admit it. I'm a bit in this camp too. Hey, can you, I'm busy that day. I haven't told you the date yet. That's okay, I'm busy. We don't want to. I had a friend, I just went to, uh, on holidays with a buddy, we try to do a dive trip every year. He, this is him, and I talked to him about it. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, totally. After the dive trip, we'd get back to the hotel about one. He would sit in the hotel by himself in the air conditioning in a tropical place by himself for the whole day. Because the world just feels like it's, going into the world just feels like it takes energy from you. You just want to stay home where it's safe. So just so you know, if I was talking to everybody who's online right now and streaming this one, chances are you're all putting up your hand because you didn't want to come to church because <laughs> this wasn't the same category, right? Okay, this is the one I have too? Perfect. Or, type four, add to that, the event you're going to go to is going to have somebody spouting off about something they haven't researched and is not accurate, and you're going to have to listen to it without being able to correct them. <laughs> There's moments where I'm like, I almost have to bite my arm to stop talking because I'm like, did you even, even read a paper about that? Oh, the pandemic did not help us with that, did it? No. Okay, type fives. You guys are awesome. Okay, type six. You're asked to plan an event that people might cancel at the last minute, change what they've agreed to bring, asked to change parts of the event, leaving you to figure out how it's all going to work still. Anyone think that would be a little stressful? Oh, yeah. I had a friend who invited or uh, planned a birthday party. Half the people canceled. 
the other half of the mass to change the event. In the end, she was just like, screw you all. I'm, not, I'm canceling my birthday this year. I can't take it. The next person would just be like, yeah, okay. But if you're six, this is something that's going to drive you around the bend. And the chances of you behave, reacting poorly to this, top shelf. Okay, next one. Seven. Oh, yeah, you go to a party or host a party and everyone is down and depressed. No one wants to have any fun and you can't leave. This is like my worst nightmare. In high school, I used to go to party. People would be like, hey, come to my party. I'm like, sure. And I was known for this. I would stop by for about five minutes, maybe six. Because if it was really boring and depressing and everyone was just sitting around drinking, I was out of there. Now, if we were jumping off buildings or anything like that, I was totally, I'd stay as long as you want. If we're going to have fun, I'm in. If it's boring and depressing, I didn't go to many parties. Okay, remember, this one is the context of Vince. I have a fondue. It's the perfect Christmas fondue. I get remarried. They have a different conception of fondue. Okay, throw a bait for me. You have to go to some gathering where someone else is going to call the shots. You have to do what they want, when they want you to do it without any input from you. Any controller controllers out there? You cannot change my fondue! And it led me to uninvite my stepsons. I didn't realize the problem was not <laughs> that I have the right fondue. The problem is I don't like when somebody tries to change my stuff. When they do, I behave badly if I'm not conscious. Final one. I want you to see this one through the lens of my wife. You walk into the gathering and immediately feel the tension. There's a problem between some of the people and how the rest of you, uh, sorry, some of the people. And now the rest of the night, you're going to have to sit in the middle of that tension. Anyone find that a bit stressful? We're sitting in a fondue dinner. Me and her are friends, not her boys. She can feel that her boys aren't there. She can feel the tension between us. And she has to sit in there that whole freaking meal and eat my stupid fondue while her boys aren't there. She handled it better than I did. Final question. Any insight into why you've been behaving poorly during the Christmas seasons? Put up your hand if it's, there's something new here that you're like, actually, you know what? There's something there that resonated with me. Any insight into the people around you where you're like, oh, you know what? I raised my hand for my partner or my brother or my friend. That's why that always goes so poorly. when we don't understand the mechanism, when we don't understand the thing that triggers the bad reaction, we focus on the reaction instead of realizing, oh, that's really stressful for me. I'm gonna take a jump. This message is inspired by the Christmas story. At this point, you're probably thinking, how in the world are you gonna get from that to Christmas? There's three authors that write about Jesus' birth. One does it in a really fantastical way. Two that are the ones that we know. I remember growing up, my uncle would read it. Can you throw it up for me? 
I don't have it memorized. About this time, Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the nation because Joseph was a member of the royal line. He had to go to Bethlehem, took with him Mary's fiance, who was obviously pregnant by this time. Anyone have any memory of any of this stuff? This is one of the Christmas stories. There's actually two of them. They're very different. This is the one from an author named Luke. But this is the beginning of chapter two of Luke. It's kind of like take your favorite book, skip the first chapter, and just start in chapter two. Do you get the whole picture of what the book's trying to say? Is not chapter one extremely important? The story of Jesus is um, an angel comes to one of the characters, says, hey, angel just means messenger. It can be anything. Uh, you could be an angel. That's how it works in the Bible. An angel comes to someone and says, you're going to have a child. The child's going to have a special connection to the divine. It's going to help save the people. The birth is miraculous. But the reality is that same story starts in chapter 1. There's an angel who comes to a parent and says, hey, you're going to have a child. They're going to be special. You're going to call them this. They're going to have a na- you know, I'm going to give you the name. Only the name's not Jesus, it's John. When you read it carefully, what you realize is the John-Jesus story is almost a perfect mirror of each other. Whenever somebody does that, you're looking for either moments of dissimilarity or when the two stories break apart. The birth narrative, the Jesus, the Christmas story, him and John almost dead ringer. They're using similar lines throughout. It's so close. Luke's doing something here. And then all of a sudden, right at the very end, they split in this moment. And that, I think, is the core moment of the Luke narrative. It's not chapter two when we ignore chapter one. It's not in the, you know, Caesar Augustus was emperor of whatever and all that stuff. It's when they separate. And they separate in this one moment. It's when they're adults. The Jesus story goes this way, the John story goes this way. John has this thing called a baptism of repentance. Baptism is just a ritual with water. If you've ever seen someone sprinkle a baby, baptism. Throw somebody in a lake, baptism. Baptism is a ritual with water. Now, John's ritual, Jesus come and engages in. This is the last moment of their story, their kind of united story. This is what I think is the Christmas, the beginning of Jesus' life story. Jesus comes and does this baptism, but the baptism isn't about I yelled at a party and I'm repenting for that. The baptism of repentance looks more like this. I realize I have a problem with alcohol and I'm now living a sober life. And to show you that I'm living a sober life, I have a a sobriety coin that I'm going to hold up. It says I'm one year sober. It's a symbol that says I have chosen to live differently. I've chosen to be in this world differently. Not I screwed up and I have to apologize for it. It's, it's, no, no, I'm going to be a different human being. I'm going to engage in this world differently. When we look at those nine Enneagram types, a baptism of repentance could be this. I will no longer walk into parties that are disorganized and a bit chaotic without thinking about how stressful that's going to be on my brain. I am no longer going to live unconsciously. 
I am no longer going to think that going to a party where everybody is down and everyone's depressed is not going to bother me. And I'm not going to blow off the party early. I am not going to live in a world that says when people are fake or when they ask me to be something that I'm not, that will not cause me to totally flip out. And when people try and change my fondue dinner, I will realize it's not all about having control of this. The birth narrative of Jesus and John parallel until they split and says, I will not live that way anymore. And so my encouragement here today is this. I don't want you walking into Christmas events, social events, family gatherings, Christmas Day, whatever, without a very conscious awareness of what's triggering you. Which one of those nine things going, oh, (laughs) that one's tough for me. If you're unconscious, you'll walk in, it'll hit you. What's, what's one of them? Somebody will say something. Uh, somebody told me a story about one of their family members talking about the JFK killing, and they had a new conspiracy about the JFK killing. And he's like, I lost my mind. I just freaking lost my mind. And I said, have you ever wondered that maybe that person saying those things triggers you? And it's funny, he kind of stopped, and he was like, you're right, I freaking hate that. And every year, it's a new bloody conspiracy. Huh. What if I knew that was coming? What if I prepared myself? He's going to say this. What am I going to say? What if I just have fun with it? What if I say, hey, thanks for your thoughts. Um, I'm going to go fill up my drink. Do you want anything? Maybe after a time, whatever, it's you know, chaotic, it's, um, what are all the different things? It's uh, not fun, it's fake, any of those things. What if we said, no, no, when it gets too much, I'm going to go for a walk because I know my nervous system is going to be triggered by this and if I don't manage that well, I will go to the next level and I'll do something I regret. So my encouragement is this, pick one of those that stresses you out. Pick one. Hey, Jeremy, can you just throw them up one at a time as I talk? Pick one. Whichever one feels stressful to you. And this Christmas, say, as you're about to go to the thing, you know it's going to hit that one, whatever that one is, and say, you know what? That one's going to be hard for me. But I know it's going to be hard. I'm not going to let it get out of hand. I'm not going to let it catch me unaware. I'm going to take a couple deep breaths. I'm going to calmly. What um, Kyla said today, uh, belonging really resonates. I'm going to walk in that family gathering and no one's even going to say my name. No one's going to greet me. I know that's going to be hard and I'm okay. I can do that. Pick whichever one and talk yourself through it this Christmas. It's going to be hard, but I can do this. Don't let it get to the trigger point where you're yelling or sulking. Figure it out beforehand. Why? So we can have a Christmas that we actually want. Now, if you're a ninja level, we always try and do a ninja level, right? First one is, it's all about me. Don't change my fondue dinner. 
Ninja level says, wait a second. There's people I love that are triggered by this over here. I'm not triggered by that, but they are. What can I do to help them? Maybe I send out an itinerary for the event because I know I have a sister who likes everything organized. Okay, great. Maybe I'm going to have that one person who has, you know, whatever thinking, divergent thinking, I can sit down with them, I get like 10 minutes, it's all I can handle, but I'm going to like set my watch 10 minutes. Okay, buddy, give me everything you got. There will be no arguments here, I will just suck it up. Maybe it's being honest with someone. Yeah, I know it's all holly jolly, but you know what? If I'm honest, this is where I'm at. Maybe it's willing to have fun with someone. You know, you're all stressed and it's like, I gotta get this done. Oh, they need a little fun. Okay, just stop the meal. Throw a potato at them or something. I don't know. <laughs> have a dance party or something. Remember Diva Dave, our drag queen? Just turn on the music and just rip it up. Have fun. Maybe that's what they need. You can give it to each other. Why? Because we're a community that tries to inspire each of us to take water. In this case, not blowing a gasket, not sulking, not things, understanding how we work. And then building a new system of love for the people around us. So we can make the world around us better. And we can make Christmas better. Amen? May this stick deep in our consciousness so that we are not caught unaware again. All right, you get me again. Well, Vince hightails it to the back because this part makes him feel highly uncomfortable. Um, and so normally when you get me, it's all about financial issues, and that's what this one is too. This is a time of year where, as one of the ways that we can show gratitude to the staff here at French Church, we perform what's called a staff offering. There is, by no means, is this the only way, or even the best way in some circumstances, to show thanks. And so if this is not for you, that is totally Okay. If, on the other hand, that this is a way that you would like to show thanks, and whether that be um, for something that happened this year that you didn't think anybody noticed, and you may have got a little nod, maybe that's something that happened downstairs in the kids' program or in the switch program or something along those lines. Maybe you got your tax receipts, this is me, where you lose them and you ask on repeat, and someone is very generous and continues to send you those tax receipts without complaining. If that's you and you would like to show your thanks this year in a financial way, we are conducting a staff offering. You can do that in the same way I talked about at the top of the hour, which is through the app, through the website, there's a donate button where it actually says, where does this go to? Don't stick with general offering. Please click the button. There will be a drop-down menu. I tried it when I was sitting over there and I did my donation uh, during the message this morning. It does say staff offering. Please select that one. If you're completing something at the back of the room, please put on the envelope that it's specifically for the staff offering. We'll be doing this again next week, um, so you'll get a chance to be reminded because if you're also like me, sometimes it falls below the fold and you kind of forget to deal with it. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Have a wonderful rest of your day.